Hello and welcome to Valley West Cinemas. I'm your host Aaron and this is the podcast where we take a group of related films and eliminate all but three. Today I'm joined by Sean. Hello Sean. Hello. I have my list and my red pen ready because today we're discussing the franchises Halloween, Child's Play, and Scream. So Sean, you're a bit of a horror guy, right? I am, yes. If I had to guess, I'd probably say you're more of an 80s horror guy? Uh, that, that would be absolutely correct, yes. Even though we're not talking about Jason today, you love Jason. I know that, the Friday the 13th series. Yes. Okay. Yes. Before we dive into the list, though, I do want to run an idea by you that uh, I feel like you'll probably agree with me. Horror sequels are known to be a case of diminishing returns. In most cases, horror franchises are just driven into the ground by very, very awful cheap sequels, especially these ones from the 80s and 90s where they would pump them out every year. Every year you get a, a Freddy. Every year you get a Jason. And eventually it killed the genre until Scream kind of brought it back and then it got killed again by all those copycats. And so with an episode like this where we're pitting these franchises against each other, I think the obvious solution would be probably just to pick part one from each one, right? Because generally speaking, the sequels just get worse. And we'll, of course, discuss each sequel on its own merits. But my approach to this really is, can any of these sequels be as good or better or stand alone compared to the originals? Do you think horror sequels get a bad rap or is it pretty fair to say that horror sequels usually do get worse? I would say that's very fair. Um, horror sequels typically do get worse, uh, particularly to your point in the 80s and 90s. Absolutely. Or Saw and Paranormal Activity where right. every year they pumped out one and they just just became trash. Right. Every once in a while you'll get a gem that comes out of there. Um, I know we're not talking about Friday the 13th, but like part seven mm -hmm. was way down the road, right, from the first one. But um, there are there are some gems that, that do come up in the sequels, but it's very, very rare. One plus with horror sequels, too, is a lot of times they kind of ignore the previous films. That is correct. I hate that. I think it's they need to the continuity needs to remain intact. Oh, see, I would disagree completely, actually. I love the idea that they can just make another one. That's one of my complaints with the Friday the 13th series and how it's been so long since they've made one. And I know that it's tied up in all sorts of legal issues and arguments over who owns what. But how hard is it to just make another one? Just make another one. If Freddy dies at the end of Nightmare 4 and he's suddenly alive at the beginning of Part 5, I'm fine with that. Just make another one. It's okay. I think that part of the fun of the sequels is showing how the killer survived, coming up with creative ways to bring them back. I think that's part of the fun of it. With a lot of these franchises, especially, I would say, probably of the three today, Halloween and Child's Play more so than Scream, they became more about how the killers would win versus how the other people survive. If you look at the first films in a lot of horror franchises, it's usually about a hero or heroine trying to survive and how they survive. But then as these horror characters become more popular, they become more about how they're going to kill the other people. That is a good uh, good take. I think that um, as the the killer or the the um, the mayhem that the killer creates uh, becomes more iconic. It becomes more difficult to have any kind of interest or to really care about the supporting characters or the cast that he's going to kill off. That's why some of the franchises have done done a good job in having that survivor live on to other movies as well, you know, to make the audience actually care about the person who could potentially be killed. Right, and as they pump them out every year the writers don't have to worry about making characters you care about because they're just red shirts. They're just fodder for the, for the killer. Correct. Yeah. It's not, it's not about how somebody kills Jason. It's about how Jason kills everyone else. Right. Yeah. That's very true. Let's go ahead and get right into it then. And with Halloween in particular, of course, part one is a classic. It's considered a classic. It birthed the whole slasher genre of the 1980s, really. 
One of the more interesting aspects of the Halloween franchise, though, are the strangely branching timelines. So horror fans are pretty forgiving when it comes to continuity, as we kind of already touched on. Right. But like with Halloween, there are six timelines, I guess, because there's parts one, two, four, five, six, one, two, seven, eight, three by itself. The Rob Zombies Halloween one and two, and then parts one. 11 and 12? Did I get everything? I think that's right. You have 1, 11, 12, and 13 next year. Yeah, 13. Yeah. Well, if yes. it comes out next year, yeah, Halloween And then ends. you have 1, 2, H2O, Halloween Resurrection. Right. Those are the only two timelines that Jamie Lee Curtis is in. Technically, yes. 4, 5, and 6 are meant to be a continuation of the two that she is right. in. Right. But she's not but in she's in, Yeah, because for her, H2O skips those, <laughs> ignores them. But then the new Halloween from 2018 is a sequel to just part one. Right. My eyes are just spinning with all this. <laughs> now that that confusion is, <laughs> is worked out, I'm going to group parts four, five, and six of the Halloween franchise together. That's the Laurie Strode niece character played by Daniel Harris leading into the Cult of Thorn, I think yes. is what it was called. Yes. And that whole weird thing. Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers had that weird production history. There are two versions of the film. Neither one is very good. That, that movie did give us Paul Rudd, so yay. Yay, Paul Rudd. <laughs> he looks great. He looks like he hasn't aged today. As far as the films themselves, I don't really have anything positive to say about 4, 5, or 6. 6 is a bad movie. No one really defends 6. I know some people like 4 and 5. I do like the idea of this younger character kind of taking over the franchise. At the end of part 4, they tease her becoming the killer and then abandon it completely because the producer of the series wanted it to be Michael Myers. Like He learned from part 3, it has to be Michael Myers every time. So even though the ending of 4 sets up making her the new killer... They completely abandon it in part five. So when you start part five, it's like, oh, what happened at the end of part four? Who cares? Continuity. Yay. <laughs> well, one could make the argument that she just had a mental split there and that she went back to normal after that. Um, one of my most favorite sort of deaths and then resurrections happened between four and five. I like when he was gunned down and he slid down that hill into a river and then an old caretaker kind of nurses him back to health, and then he kills the caretaker. I thought that was really cool. I actually liked that. Um, I'm not going to say that any one of those three movies is in my top three, but I'll say that um, in terms of resurrections from one movie to the next, as I mentioned earlier, that's something that I like to have fun with. I think is really cool about the 80s movies as they tried to connect, you know, explain why the killer is coming back. Um, that's up there with one of the top, uh, top, top opportunities that was seized in terms of bringing somebody back from... The dead, really. So Well, yeah, because it was a cool moment at the end of 4 when Michael Myers is just gunned down. Like, he has shot a yes. ton. And, of course, he's fine. Very true. For me, 4 and 5 are pretty boring. They don't even really scratch that horror itch. When you watch a slasher movie, it's dumb to say that you don't want to be bored because you don't want to be bored in any movie. But in a slasher movie in particular, there's a visceral reaction you're looking for. You want to be thrilled. You want a visceral response to a horror movie, usually. And Halloween 4 and 5 just bore me. I have a hard time finishing them. Yeah, see, for me... um, I remember staying over with one of my buddies. We'd hang out, you know, and watch four, five, and six over and over and over again. <laughs> so I kind of have a, a unique perspective. And part of the reason that we would watch him is we were trying to figure out who the guy in the trench coat was. Why is this guy just show up at the end in the police station? Like, what's going on? And I remember being disappointed in part six when the explanation of who that individual was finally came out. I was like, oh, man. I, 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 I'm not really sure what I expected 
that person to be or how I expected that to sort of play out. But I remember not being thrilled about how they they ultimately answered that question. Yeah, where the franchise goes with the man in black and the cult yeah. of Thorn, it takes the franchise down some rabbit hole that right. does not really make any sense. It's almost like looking at Jason Goes to Hell versus the first four Friday the 13th movies. They don't really pair well together. Right. And I think parts four, five, and six, they just looked at Halloween two because Michael Myers wrote Sam Haim in blood on a chalkboard. And 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 they're like, hmm, maybe he's into runes and I don't know, I folklore. I don't know. It, it's <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. So I'm crossing off four, five, and six without any hesitation. Uh, I will cross off five and six for right now, but not four yet. Anyone listening to this podcast probably doesn't need us to explain why part four is called The Return of Michael Myers. But that is because in part three, there is no Michael Myers. He ostensibly died at the end of part two. He was meant to die when he was shot in the eyeballs and then blown up by Dr. Loomis. When three was made, it was made with the idea that Halloween could become an anthology franchise. So every year or two, there'd be a movie called Halloween that was about something else, kind of like episodes of Tales from the Crypt. And they tried that experiment with Halloween three, season of the witch, and it was a huge, huge failure. Even with the marketing People didn't understand that Michael Myers wasn't in this. They saw the movie. They were angry. It failed. Never mind the quality of the film, which we'll get into. But people just had an immediate reaction to Michael Myers not being in it. And so Mustafa Akkad, the producer of the series, from then on just put his foot down and said, Michael Myers, Michael Myers, every Halloween movie, Halloween equals Michael Myers. And so we get part four, the return of Michael Myers right there in the name. Since I did mention the original Halloween two and three, the original Halloween 2 is a huge disappointment. Laurie Strode really didn't even really interact with Michael Myers very much in the first movie. And then in part two, she has six lines. She doesn't even really speak until about 33 minutes into the movie. And all she says is, why me? And then I think she says, don't knock me out to one of the doctors. And then later screams, help me, maybe. And that's about it. She really has no presence in the film. Yeah, I would say that she absolutely was underutilized. In, in part two, there is no question. And part two was made as more of a reaction to the success of Friday the 13th, which was a clone, in a sense, of Halloween. So Halloween came out in 78, Friday the 13th came out in 80. By the time Halloween 2 came out, we already had a boom of slashers. There were 8, 10, 15 a year after Halloween, pretty much. I don't think it was the worst of the series, certainly, but uh, definitely uh, could have been thought out. It feels a little bit like a missed opportunity. One complaint I have with certain films, and this can actually tie back to our Star Wars episode that you were a part of, I'm not a huge fan of sequels that are immediate continuations, where it picks up the moment the previous one ended. You're essentially turning it into a three-hour movie where each half was made four years apart. Right. It happens, but particularly with this one, it just it didn't work. I mean, it, it kind of felt like there was a good conclusion to the first one, giving it a little bit of time. I didn't mind so much the, the hospital Everything happening sort of in the hospital setting, that, that kind of is unique. Um, and hospitals can be creepy, let's just face it. But definitely uh, felt like there was, if it was, if the story was fleshed out a little bit more, that there could have been um, some better beats. We could have cared about the characters that got killed off a little more. You know, we certainly care about Jamie Lee Curtis, but I would even argue that it devalued her a little bit in this one, where you didn't care about her as much because perhaps to your point, there wasn't as much dialogue. <laughs> so she just doesn't really do anything. Right. Which is going to sound remarkably familiar in a few minutes when we get to Halloween kills. Yes. Yeah. I am crossing off Halloween two. It's barely a movie to me. Not a lot happens. It feels like filler. Halloween two feels like 
an hour and a half ending to the previous film. Like they ran out of money, they stopped and they released the first film. And then they had 20 minutes of a script for an ending to part one. And they made that 20 minutes an entire film. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's definitely not the worst. So I don't want it, you know, early crossing off to indicate that it's one of the worst. I actually think it was one of the better Halloween movies, but certainly is not um, of the caliber to, of, of some, of at least a couple of the other ones, in my opinion. Yeah, there can only be three. So we have to cross even good movies off. I, I wouldn't call Halloween too good, but I would not call it bad. I just, Same. I was let down and not a lot happens. And I do want more Laurie Strode. And maybe that's the fault of having this franchise for decades where you associate her so much, you don't want to see her sidelined. But on its own, I just don't really have the inkling to really ever watch Halloween 2 ever again. Yeah, I, I Halloween 2, um, I would say not bad, not great, um, minorly good, I guess, when you look at all 80s horror sequels. Um, but I feel like, for me, the only reason that it was even moderately good was really just the setting. I, I think hospitals are creepy. I mentioned that earlier. The location was almost a character in and of itself. For Halloween 3, I am not ready to cross it off yet. I'm not exactly ready to completely defend it either, but I really, really like Halloween 3, so I'm going to hang on to that for now at least. Halloween 3 I'm going to hang on to for the simple fact that out of all of the movies on this sheet um, in front of me, out of all the movies that we're, that we're looking at, Halloween 3, the Silver Shamrock theme song <laughs> sticks in my head really to this day, so I, I have to leave it on there just for that reason. Jumping further down the list, though, I don't think there's really anyone who would defend Halloween Resurrection. So I'm just going to say it's Michael Myers live streamed on the internet and Buster Rhymes does Kung Fu, I guess. (laughs) That's it. I'm crossing off Halloween Resurrection. I will cross off Halloween Resurrection as well. Although I will say, again, in the spirit of a killer coming back in the sequel and how they explain that, I love the writing in terms of how... Michael Myers came back because in the previous film, H2O, he had been decapitated. And in Re- Resurrection, how do you bring back somebody that's had their head chopped off, right? Well, they came up with a creative idea there um, where the the driver, the ambulance driver, had the mask on and couldn't speak. And Laurie Strode actually cut his head off. And it wasn't even Michael Myers as he escaped sort of in the back. I feel like that was a really good way, a nice writing to sort of bring back the killer. But having said that, the rest of the movie is just atrocious. Um, yeah, it's so bad. It it is literally. Um, it's the lowest. Or it's an it's an example of the worst of the genre. I do agree that it was really creative the way they managed to keep Michael Myers alive, but it goes against the ending of H two O because the whole reason she cuts off his head is because she looks into his eyes and sees that there's nothing there, which was a huge point from Loomis in the first film that there's nothing behind those eyes. And so for them to say that was actually the ambulance driver, nah, I mean it's clever, but. But it was definitely Michael at the end of part seven, at the end of H2O. It was Michael. I would also say in part eight, they uh, didn't they kill Laurie Strode too? They did kill Laurie Strode. And again, (laughs) (laughs) so she dies at the end of eight. Seven is a sequel to two. But then Halloween from 2018 is a sequel to one. Could you imagine if any one of these horror franchises where they had actually even just in a 10-page rough outline form, outlined 10 movies ahead of time? Yeah, no. callbacks in part 10 that you know that come to fruition from part three part one well i'm, I'm gonna go back to my argument of just make another because you do have franchises like saw and paranormal activity where each sequel is a direct continuation 
It's one of the reasons those franchises were driven into the ground because the original films, as good as they were, were not designed to support the storyline across seven more movies. Like with Saw, they shouldn't have tried to make Jigsaw be the villain and then his associates be the villains all throughout each of the films because he dies in part three and yet is somehow still the mastermind sequels later. They really should have just made another with another person doing traps and it's just called Saw and that's fine. The idea of having to connect everything for seven movies or even nine movies in the case of of the Saw franchise, that's too much. That's just an unrealistic expectation. Well, I feel like um, what you're saying then is that the later Saw movies would have been just as valid as Season of the Witch, Halloween 3, because you're taking away the iconic killer. If it were, if they were to do it your way, Jigsaw is now gone and somebody else is doing copycats. You're removing the iconic killer and you can't remove an iconic killer from their franchise. You really have to keep that iconic killer intact. What they could have done is just had somebody else call themselves Jigsaw. Or they could have done another one where he's not dead and that's it. And it may not make a lot of sense, but if you look at Nightmare on Elm Street 4, There's no mention of the people who defeated him in one and two. We don't need that sort of continuity all the time. I'm not saying completely ignore everything. Really, it comes down to, for me, the plot and the storyline. The storyline of seven, or sorry, the storyline of part one can't be spun across five to seven sequels. That's where the mistake is being made. To your point, I feel like Scream successfully did that. They have a different killer, but they're all sort of the same person, the same iconic killer, um, which would be obviously Ghostface. Right. Yeah. I don't want to get too stuck in the weeds as far as continuity versus standalone films. All these movies are connected one way or the other. Like if you look at Indiana Jones, they're all connected, but they also all stand alone. Like that's a perfect balance of each movie is its own thing, but it's great if you know all the other details too. With the Scream franchise, if we're going to kind of jump to that one, that one is a little more closely tied together, but it's very minor details. There, there are subtle things in the Scream movies that if you know, great. And if you don't, the sequels provide you with that information. And so those are more closely connected, but they're not intertwined the way the Saw movies are. And so I think the Scream franchise is more successful as far as quality than the Saw films. But whether or not each individual sequel is really any good, we'll get to in a second. As much as I don't want to jump away from the Halloween franchise, but since Scream did come up, let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. I saw part one of Scream 18 times in theaters. So to say I'm a fan is a bit of an understatement. I love the first Scream movie so much. And a lot of the disrespect or hatred the film has received in the years since, I think really just comes from the sequels, kind of like how the Jaws sequels have a reputation that has kind of tainted the original a little bit. Both Scream and Jaws are the sort of franchises where if you ask someone like, hey, have you seen Jaws? The immediate response is almost always, which one? When, you know, if I, if I meant Jaws 2, I would have asked Jaws 2. If I meant Scream 2, I would have said Scream 2. So if I ask if you've seen Scream, I mean Scream. Not to be confused with Part 5, which is coming out, which is also just called Scream. But <laughs> we'll put that aside. But, the, but I do think the quality of the sequels has tarnished the original. Freddy and Jason, not so much, because some of the sequels, there's, there's ups and downs, and the whole tone has changed you know, across those franchises. But with Scream, I just don't think 2 is very good. I have a soft spot for three. I've said before on the show that I like movies about movies. And so having three take place in Hollywood on the set of, of Stab 3, the, the film within the film, it's enjoyable. Still not that good. I hate to say it because I love Scream 1, but 2 and 3, not good. And 4 was pretty much a mistake all around. 4 was 
not an enjoyable film. I can at least go back and watch two and three really at any time. But four, four was just a mistake. That's the key word. I'm going to keep going back to four was a mistake. Yeah. If I had to rank just the four screen movies, I would go one, three, two, four. Yeah. Same here. Part four was unnecessary. Um, it, it just felt like it was done just for nostalgia's sake. I think it was something like what a decade after. Yeah, new decade, new rules. Right, and so I'm hopeful that the new one coming out will not give us that same appeal. Although I think it's in good hands, I think it'll be just fine. The first one it brought back the slasher genre, which I love. I love slasher genres more than paranormal. I know that in today's marketplace, if you're doing doing an independent film, for example you're much more likely to get funding and financing if you're doing something that's paranormal. It just seems to be what everybody sort of clamors after. I like the slasher flick, and I love the fact that Scream brought that back into the fold again. Yeah, it was hugely successful. And uh, I saw it opening day with a double feature of Beavis and Butthead Do America. (laughs) And fun fact, so Beavis and Butthead, the movie, opened with $20 million that weekend back in '96. And at the time, that was the biggest opening ever for a non-Disney animated film with only $20 million. And then Scream opened with $8 million, I think, and just became the little movie that could. It held on week after week after week and eventually crossed $100 million, which was insane for a horror movie. Scream was very clever. The script is fantastic. It launched the careers of many people. Wes Craven's own new nightmare came out only two years before, but Scream is really the one because of its huge success, it's the one that kind of created this meta knowledge of movies within the films. Because normally, up until that point, if you watched a film, characters weren't really aware of other horror movies when they themselves were in a horror movie. People in Friday or Nightmare weren't aware of Friday or Nightmare. They weren't aware of other horror movies. That meta knowledge was incredibly clever. And it was it was new. It was a new idea. And today, it's completely common. You watch anything and someone mentions some other movie or, oh yeah, it's just like in a zombie movie and everyone has that knowledge base. But when Scream came out, when somebody references A Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween, that was surprising. It was it was very surprising and very clever. It was new. And, and I would even say not even referencing other movies, but also referencing other known killers like Jamie Kennedy. I, I believe it's in part two maybe or part three where he's all you want to be with the big boys oj bundy oh yeah Uh, he's even they're even self-aware of of reality self-awareness was new right all that being said though i am crossing off scream two three and four that shouldn't be a surprise i am absolutely hanging on to part one for now it is a very strong contender same i'll go ahead and take off two three and four scream two three and four and hold on to scream the original. I do want to reemphasize though, if you're following along, making your own list, just remember that the quality of Scream 1 doesn't change just because the sequels aren't that good. Scream 1 is not guilty by association. And that can be said about any franchise. Look at the Iron Man films, and I might get some hatred for this, but Iron Man 2 and 3 are not good movies. Iron Man 1 is still awesome, but 2 and 3 are not good, and I'm not going to hold that against part 1. The one listener is like, but I like Iron Man 2. <laughs> Oh, I'm that one listener. I do like Iron Man 2, but I do not like Iron Man 3 very much. I think it's one of the weaker MCU films. Yeah, but that's a whole different thing. We'll get into that later. Going back to the Halloween films, I'm going to cross off both of the Rob Zombie films. I do not like them. I think part one of his pair of films, the first half is really good. The first half, that's his original story. 
And then the second half is just a remake of part one and completely unnecessary. Some of the shots are even the same. And I don't understand the point of being that faithful, especially when he has that first half that is new material, a new perspective on Michael. I actually appreciate that. I do appreciate what he did in part two as well, because it was just a mean, mean, brutal film. With his Halloween 2, he wasn't remaking the original Halloween 2, except for there is that sort of 30-minute fantasy sequence in a hospital with a huge body count that is ultimately completely unnecessary because it's not real, I don't think, if I remember correctly. But at least he tried to pursue his own story, his own version of the characters. I don't think he necessarily succeeded, but at least he tried, so A for effort. I can eliminate the second one. I'm partial to the Rob Zombie ending. The one where uh, Laurie gets gunned down as opposed to the original. I believe in the original, if, if memory serves right, and you can correct me here, but she was taken to a hospital or something, but she didn't actually die. Is that right? I get a little confused between the two films and which endings were in theaters versus home video. There's one where she's wearing the mask and then ends up in a mental facility. And then there's one where she is wearing the mask and gets shot by cops and ends up laying next to Michael Michael's body. I don't know which ending is which, or even okay. necessarily which movie. Okay. And I, I can't say that I do either, but I do like, it's clear that Rob Zombie wanted to end it with her dying, and that's that's his curtain call, right? Yeah, he wanted to stop. He didn't right. want to do a part three. But they initially left her alive to hopefully do another one, maybe with a different director, but then they determined we're not going to do another one, so we'll just release it at home with the actual ending that Rob Zombie wanted. I think that's what happened, at least, but... I would go ahead and feel comfortable crossing off the second one, but I'm not going to cross off the first one just yet. And the reason for that is that I feel like, although, yes, the story was somewhat similar between the original Halloween and Rob Zombie's remake, particularly the second half of Rob Zombie's remake, they can very much stand on their own when you look at the way in which the the theme or the the tone that the film carried Whereas the first Halloween was such a masterpiece because it made you scared because the boogeyman was popping out or showing up in a dark closet. There wasn't even any blood really in that film at all. The Rob Zombie one is more gritty. It's more, um, we're going to scare you from a more of a, a realistic perspective, more of a Texas chainsaw edge as opposed to a monster in the shadows. Since we did mention the parallel to part one, I don't know that there's a lot to really add about part one, the original Halloween one, because it's a classic, it was huge, it shaped a genre. There are tons of podcasts and commentaries and all sorts of different things about that movie. I don't know that we can bring anything new to the discussion about part one other than it is a classic and I'm hanging on to it for now. Yeah, the very first Halloween, we're talking about Carpenter's Halloween. Spoiler alert, that's in my top three. That's one of the best horror films ever made. It is absolutely 100% frightening for the sake of being frightening, not frightening for the sake of shock value. Other than Halloween 3, the remaining films are H2O, the 2018 reboot slash sequel, and Halloween Kills. I'm not keeping any of these. I do love Halloween H2O. I think the director, Steve Miner, who did Lake Placid, he's very good at making 85-minute bite-sized horror movies. I think that's perfect for him. I think he, I think that's what he knows best, but it's not high art. It's enjoyable. But, you know, it's it's not exactly the greatest thing ever. The 2018 reboot sequel was good. I was pleasantly surprised. I do like the respect and appreciation it seemed to have for the original. It treated Michael Myers like Michael Myers, like the boogeyman again. They treated him like the shape. He was not, he was not some 
cult weird rune guy going after his sister. He was just a crazy violent person. They did a really good job. Um, I'm not keeping it. I think Halloween Kills was borderline awful. I would say that Halloween Kills is safe to be crossed off the list as well. When I think of that movie, I think of number one, the angry mob. And I also now think of Michael Myers as an, a balding older man. Well, he is. I mean, it's been four years. I know, he is a balding older man. I don't want to think about him that way. I want to think about him as an unstoppable killer. And now that sort of receded hairline. <laughs> there, are, there, are plenty of, there are plenty of bald, violent people in the world, I'm sure. No, I, I get it. And I'm not, you know, it humanized him to a point where he's not as scary, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Well, but he is a human, though. And the whole idea is that, like Luma said, that he's empty. He's a hollow vessel. He's just right. evil. I don't think it was a bad movie, but if you look at the other two extremes, it played it too safe for me. I actually would take the 2018 one off the list as well. Well, I did. I crossed off, I crossed okay. off the 2018. Yeah, 2018 um, and Halloween Kills, both yeah. of those I would take off. One of the things I liked about the 2018 version, too, though, is that they treat Michael Myers like he was just a crazy person who stabbed two people in the 70s. One of the characters even says that's kind of quaint compared to all the horrible things that happened today. But then Halloween Kills presents the town as if they've been haunted by him for 40 years. It feels more like it's a sequel to the rest of the franchise. It doesn't feel like it's a sequel to the original part one. It feels like it's a sequel to the lore of the other Michael Myers movies where everyone knows who he is, where he's this haunting force. When in reality... He's just a guy that stabbed two people 40 years ago. And in the previous film, Laurie Strode was the crazy old lady living in some fenced off house somewhere because of some guy she's afraid of that nobody remembers. And so when they made Halloween Kills, I feel like they were making a sequel to the wrong movie. I see what they were trying to do with Halloween Kills. And I think that they did succeed in making a sequel to the first film and omitting the second original film. That being said, the tone was so entirely different than the first one. The tone was almost on par, to your point, with 4, 5, and 6. It felt like it wasn't really a sequel to the original. It was more of a sequel to the lore. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And with Kills too, there's really hardly any content there. You could tell that they were trying to make parts 2 and 3 to the 2018 version. You can tell that they were trying to make two sequels at the same time. So Halloween Kills and then Ends, which is coming out. I don't know if they had two scripts for two whole movies. It's almost like they took a cut scene and made a 90-minute movie of it. Hopefully, all of that culminates into a amazing story for, for Halloween Ends. Hopefully. But as it stands now, Halloween Kills just felt like treading water. Yes. Let's go ahead and talk about Child's Play and Chucky. I'm a big fan of the series. I grew up watching these movies. Back when my grandparents had free pay-per-view... <laughs> free. It would play Child's Play 1 over and over and over again. So I remember being at my grandparents and just watching Child's Play 1 over and over and over again. And then when part two came out, I actually bought the VHS and I watched that over and over and over again. With the films, it's easy to look at them in pairs. Two and three are very easy to pair together because they came out only nine months apart, which is very unusual. Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky go together pretty easily. And then you have the two straight to video ones, Cult of Chucky and Curse of Chucky. And so I think I'm going to look at them in pairs for my eliminations. I did not mention the reboot because uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I, in terms of pairing them, I feel that the first one stands on its own. Two and three absolutely go together, to your point. Bride of Chucky all the way through Cult of Chucky into one group as well. So those to me are, are much more self-aware films 
the tone changed the significantly. Wall. Those to me are one group. It is interesting to point out that these films were all written by the same person, which is unusual for any franchise, but especially a horror franchise. Don Mancini has written every single one of these movies, and he wrote the new Chucky TV show that's out as well. So even though the tone changed radically from parts three to four, five, and six, and so on, it's still been the vision of just one person, which is pretty neat. Yeah, that is actually very... I, did, I was not aware of that. That's that's pretty cool. Well, I think it's a little obvious that I'm crossing off the reboot. Um, I think they made a mistake making the doll a robot. I think that they made a mistake trying to make him sympathetic. In the movie, he's trying to protect his friendship with Andy. He's not really evil. He just doesn't understand, which is kind of sad, I guess. It was fine. If you haven't seen it and you like horror movies, watch it, sure. But I cannot really recommend the Child's Play reboot. The reboot was a fine film on its own, but trying to live up to the Chucky legacy doesn't work for me. Um, so I would cross that one off as well. I just, I appreciate Mark Hamill being the voice. He's, I love Mark Hamill. I love Star Wars. But the story-wise, it, it, it didn't feel as scary. There were some pretty gruesome kills that are some of the best that have been in the, in the franchise, but it felt too different to be a real Chucky movie in my mind. Yeah, when they were talking about doing another one, I don't know why they decided to go from killer doll to killer robot doll. Robot doll. Yeah, yeah, come on. So we're both crossing off the Child's Play reboot. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and cross off. I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm going to cross <laughs> off all the sequels. Like, I, I know at the start of this, we said that at least my approach was going to be, can any of these sequels stand alone? And are any of them actually better than the original? And personally, like if we were going off just personal favorites, I love Bride of Chucky. I think it's mean and funny and just a hoot. Bride of Chucky is so much fun. And really, other than part three, I don't really have anything bad to say about any of them. I like part two. I like Seed of Chucky. I like Colt. I like Curse. There's a moment in Curse where you go into it thinking that it's a reboot because the way it's presented, the tone has changed. It's a horror mystery again. But then one of the characters pulls at the doll's face and removes a little strip of plastic and you see Chucky stitching from Bride of Chucky and you realize that it's actually a sequel and it has that oh kind of moment where you actually wonder what's going on and where is this going and I appreciate that I like that quite a lot I would say of the four films that the Bride Seed Colt and Curse that Seed of Chuck or Bride of Chucky rather is the is the best of those four yes it 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 changes it up to a point where you're not getting another iteration of the original Child's Play, like two and three gave you, you're getting uh, something completely new and you're aware of that. And to create something that we knew was definitively going in a different direction, but at the same time still had ties to the original. I still feel like I would, I would cross off all of the Chucky movies off of my list, not because they're bad, but the one that stands out is number one. And I would say number two, strictly based on the toy factory battle at the end with the liquid plastic dump. Yeah. It's a, just a whole lot of fun. When it comes down to it, if I had to choose which one I would rewatch today, it would be either two or bride. Okay. Two and bride of Chucky. Those are the ones I like the most, but part one is arguably, at least to me, the better movie. Three is really the only one where I actually kind of don't like it. I think three is kind of a bad film. It was rushed. It only came out nine months after two. They aged up the character to be in a military academy I just really kind of don't like part three other than the cool little ending when, when Chucky gets chopped up in a giant fan. That was fun. I love how gonzo Seed of Chucky becomes. I mean, John Waters is in it. If you cast John Waters in a movie and Jennifer Tilly as herself when she also plays a killer doll in the same movie, you know what you're making. 
Crossing off Child's Play 2 and Bride stings for me, but I can't really make an argument that they're better or more important than part one. Part one is the legacy film, and it's good. There's a reason they made a whole bunch of sequels. It's a good film, but I have to eliminate all the sequels. Hate to do it, but I do. I'm keeping Child's Play 1 for now, but from my understanding, you are eliminating Chucky completely. No, I'm eliminating um, all but one and two. Oh, you're keeping one and two. When it comes down to what's left, I just have the first Scream, the first Child's Play, the original Halloween, and Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. So I have four. I only need to remove one. For me, really, the question just becomes, is Halloween 3 worth saving over the originals of the Halloween Child's Play and Scream franchises? It has a new concept. It's very interesting, but I would eliminate Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. So you're crossing off Halloween 3. That is correct. I'm definitely keeping Scream, and I know the personal favorite argument probably is stronger for me than it being the best. Scream is absolutely important when it comes to the last 25 years of horror cinema. I'm kind of tempted to keep Halloween 3 over Child's Play or the original Halloween, and and Sean's giving me a look. Halloween is a classic, but kind of like the Snow White argument, classic doesn't necessarily mean best, right? So looking at the Halloween 1978 film objectively, what really happens in it? The main character isn't even aware of the killings or the killer until the end sequence. She's a footnote. We know she's the main character because she's Laurie Strode, but other than one brief interaction at the end of the film, their connection is basically irrelevant. The first Halloween film is one of the greatest. <laughs> He's just kidding. Is one of the greatest. <laughs> so we're still, just the look on his face. I'm not bad-mouthing the first Halloween at all. It is a classic. I'm just trying to be objective and, and, and sort of talk through it. Like, do we love it because it's the best or do we love it just because it's been considered the best for 40 years? I love it because it's one of the very few slasher films ever that's been able to freak you out without having to rely on gimmicks. If we were talking purely about John Carpenter films, I don't know where Halloween would land. I have an episode planned. I'm a big fan of John Carpenter, but we'll see. For this list, though, I love Halloween 3. It's a little silly how there's little pieces of Stonehenge in children's masks that turn them into like piles of goo and bugs. It's bizarre. But Tom Atkins is great in it. It's a fun movie. It's a good horror movie. Since I only have one to cross off, what about you? So you're down to five now. What are you going to do? Yeah, I've got um, the original Halloween, Halloween, Rob Zombie, Child's Play 1 and 2, and Scream. I think Child's Play is a great franchise. I do feel like it's become a little bit more of a comedy franchise in in the recent iterations of it. But I would say that, uh, to me, Chucky just holistically is not as scary as Michael Myers or as Ghostface. Okay, so that leaves you with your three, and I think that has helped lead me to my decision. So go ahead and tell me, what are your three surviving films? My three surviving films are Halloween, the 1978 original, Scream, Rob Zombie's Halloween. As for me, now playing this week at Valley West Cinemas are Halloween, 1978, Scream, and Child's Play. What do you think? Let us know on Twitter at VWestCinemas. If you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash valleywestcinemas. And of course, please rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps us a ton. I'm your host, Aaron. Today, I was joined by Sean. Thanks for listening.